My grandmother read it and she said, a little bit too much oral for me. All righty, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Axe and Arn Podcast. I'm your host, Roy Scott from Vintage Axe Works. I am Chris from Mount Phillip Metalworks, and today we are joined by Tommy from Crooked Crooked River Forge. Tommy Matthews, how are you, buddy? I'm good, man. What's happening? Yo, yo. Not much. So, Tommy, I see that you're a blade maker. Mm-hmm. You're a forged in fire champion. I am. I know you're not a big fan of, of oh, those. It doesn't matter what I'm a fan of. It doesn't matter what I'm a fan of. How, uh, let's talk I just about... had to throw that out there, man. Oh, it's fine. <laughs> I work with a guy in the shop every day that's been on that show. It's fine. Uh, let's talk about the beginning, well, man. What? He, he was on it? Ilya yeah. was on the show? Yeah, he's won that show. I didn't know that. Yeah. Not to take anything away from you, Tommy, but it's kind of losing its forged and fire championness. I know, man. You know what? And I thought about that. You know, when I when I first got into this, the first thing that I, I started looking on on like social media and stuff for for anything related with blade blade making and shit, right? Right. And I was watching like Milwaukee Blacksmith and uh, you know just anything I could find. Uh, Mountain Men because Daniel was on that. Yeah. He also ended up on Forged and Fire and pretty much kicked everybody's ass that he went up against on that one, if I'm not mistaken. But um, I started applying, and they were like, oh, dude, you don't have near the experience. And I was like, I know. Can't you guys do, like, a like a noob episode? <laughs> you know? <laughs> so fast forward five seasons later, I finally get on, and uh, I, I think I represented okay. Cool. Yeah. Good deal. So, um, Let's talk. Go ahead. The, uh, the only time that I get to watch Forge and Fire, uh, we I don't have cable here. It was whenever I was traveling with my wife. So they, it's like every time I turn on the freaking TV, whenever that show is on, it seems like they only play like 10 or 12 of the same freaking episodes over and over and over. And congratulations, you were in that fucking rotation. Yeah, and, it's and, funny, and that's, man. That's how I knew you. Um, so Tommy, he, he and I met at Blade Show last year. Um, we were in the same room. Um, and I think we saw each other in the same room, and then we saw each other in the pit later on. I think yeah. maybe Saturday night or something like that. We were there both uh, nights pretty late, so I, I yeah, can't remember. Yeah. Which, <laughs> <laughs> Dude, by the time it was over, they were handing out free fucking beer. They're just like, get this shit out of here. Just go home. Get the fuck out. <laughs> wow. I missed that. I missed that part. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I I would I suspect not a lot of people remember that part, but if you were up late enough and you were dumb enough like me, they were handing out free beer to get us the fuck out of the pit. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about the Crooked River Forge journey. Where'd you start? I see it says established 2015. Yeah, you man. Only, so have you only been making knives for five years? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty pretty new to it, so I'm pretty stoked with how far I've come in that short period of time. Cool. Um, I mean, it started off, I've always just kind of been like a, I got to have something on the side to keep me busy. I worked in corporate America. Um, that's where my journey kind of started, right? So I got relieved of my duties with corporate America, and I was just getting into this. I bought all this shit, and my wife at the time was like, dude, you bought all this stuff, you haven't done shit with it yet. Right. So I went down the basement, I put it all together, and 
couple days later, I came out with the knife, and she was like, damn, dude, that's pretty badass. So Awesome. That's what kind of launched me. And then uh, right about the time Forge and Fire was about to happen, we kind of started on a rocky road and split up. And I went on the uh, couch sur- surfing circuit for a little while there <laughs> with, some, with some buddies of mine. And um, Aaron at Three Barn Doors down in downtown Cleveland took me in and uh, gave me a place to set up shop because – I mean, it was literally like two weeks before we were, I was leaving to go film, and my wife was like, you know, I, this isn't working out. I think you need to find somewhere else to go, and I had nowhere, and I I didn't know what to do. I didn't want to call him up and say, hey, I don't have a shop anymore. Oh, but, shit. Uh, shit. Aaron, Aaron freaking hooked me up, and uh, I don't know if you know him at all. He, he'd be a good guy for you guys. He, he's in the furniture business, and it incorporates metal into a lot of his stuff, and uh, he was a former... Uh, Cleveland Indian. He played in the majors for about ten years, and now this is what he does. He's a maker. What's so. Aaron? What? Aaron um, Cunningham. His his company is Three Barn Doors. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Very yeah, cool. Yeah. So you were in Ohio at the time? I heard Cleveland in there. Yeah, yeah. I was I was living up in Cleveland. I was up there for about twenty years, almost to the month. Yeah. Oh, okay. Right. Jeez. Okay. Fucking yeah, slow Ohio. Yeah, that's why I seen you at a uh, spring make. You've been there before. Yeah. Yep, yeah, yep. I know a bunch of guys that go there. So, what did you do prior to knife making? What was your? I'm assuming you got into knife making as a hobby. What What did you do? Not not job wise, but what was your interest uh, prior to knife making? Prior to that, it was um I was into like building pallet shit. So there was oh okay all kind of like pallet furniture craze going on, and I yeah, actually built this yep. thing called the pallet lounger. You might have even seen it. Like it blew the fuck up. You know, I hung really? this pallet thing from this giant tree in my backyard. It had candles all around it. And it was, I mean, my Etsy account was getting like 18,000 views a month. What? You thing. say camels all around it? Candles. <laughs> oh, you light them up. <laughs> you fucking idiot. I'm like, what does that up, have to do with the lounge chair? Idiot. No, my camel stuff, that, that's that's way back. That's like the 90s when I was <laughs> hanging out with camels in the desert. All right, I'll see. So you came up with a super lounger. How long did you do the pine uh, or the pallet furniture? Um, it was, it was only about a year or two. And, um, I started getting into blacksmithing because I wanted to incorporate like a, an old school iron into that whole thing. Right. And, uh, I started, the first thing I did when I got all the shit was made a knife and then I was just hooked on that. And I haven't made a piece of furniture since. So have you always been drawn to knives as, as a young guy? Um, oh yeah, man. I've got scars all over me from knives. <laughs> my grandfather gave me my first folder when I was probably about, I don't know, seven, eight years old. And I remember trying to do some shit out in the woods with it and it closed on my finger. And oh, nice. that was like my first knife scar. This is with you knife guys. All you guys got a little screw loose somewhere. <laughs> Dude, it, it's weird. Like, you freaking knife guys. Um, I'm serious. Like, whenever I, whenever I, like, hey, I want to make something cool, my brain never goes to fucking knife. I, like, you guys are wired fucking differently. My, my first experience with a knife was a buck 110. My lesbian freaking babysitter she used to cut an apple and eat off the freaking blade right and i was like oh man she's cool i'm gonna try that (laughs) no i didn't cut my tongue so i I, I do it like the joker (laughs) so i grab it uh cut a piece of apple and i look at my mom and i'm smiling i'm like yeah i'm gonna do this and she snatched it out of my hand you little shithead you're not doing that and i was like what esther does it Uh, but 
But that was my experience. And like start to finish with knives, like that's it ended with the Buck 110. Yeah. Never even cared about a knife until I, I shouldn't say it. Well, seeing people like you and other freaking knife guys like Pirate Forge and just being around all you crazy freaking knuckleheads at Blade Show, I totally respect what you're doing. Um, I don't care about the knife per se. It's just the craftsmanship, the handlework. It just all comes together and in a beautiful freaking piece that it will never be made again. It's every piece right on. is a one off and I freaking yeah. love it. I just absolutely love that craftsmanship. I don't care about the stabby crap about a freaking knife. It's just, <laughs> here's a beautiful piece of artwork. Seriously. Thanks man. So hats yeah. off to what you do. I appreciate so you, that man. You doing your own leather work. Yeah. You know, it's kind of one of those things where it's like you open up Pandora's box every time you turn around. I mean, if you're making knives that need sheaths, how do you get a knife sheath made from somebody unless they have that knife? Right. You know what I mean? Guys yeah. contact me all the time. They're like, hey, can you make me a, a sheath for this knife? And I'm like, yeah, I need the knife. Well, I don't want to part with the knife. Like, then I can't make you a sheath, dude. What do you want me to do, man? Yeah, people Ugh. people hit me up all the time wanting a sheath for a freaking axe. And I say the same thing. It's just not economical to ship the axe, do the leather, and ship right. it back. It just, and then on top of however much it costs, you know, you're talking about $100 just for – Okay. A, a, a freaking sheath it just doesn't make sense and right people I, I don't i don't know i don't know what they're thinking but man do you do you enjoy leather work tommy i don't mind it really because what i like oh, about God. everything that i'm doing is being able to shift gears if i'm if i'm tired of pounding or if i'm tired of grinding i can shift gears and go sit and work on some leather for a little while and kind of detox from everything else and you know just kind of spread it around a little bit so you uh, went from uh, Ohio, sleeping on all your buddies' couches, got back together with your old lady. Now you're in. No, West no, I'm, we're done, man. I'm, I'm, oh. I'm down here in West Virginia with a with an old friend of mine that. Uh, oh, okay. We met probably 20, 30 years ago. Who knows? I don't know. It's during the band days, you know. Oh, okay. <laughs> so you're. And, in and by the way, um, Roy, I got to thank you for throwing out the '80s stuff. I listened to the the podcast with Brett today. Yeah, and, uh, I, I'm a big fan of Brett. He's a great, dude. Um, Brett McCaffrey? Yeah, man. You're a I, fan. I, I got one of his shirts. I was gonna wear it, but I was like, oh, what's the point? You're gonna see it. No, but, Brett's uh, a great guy. I, I I switched it up today and put on Skid Row Radio. On yeah, there you go. And I just freaking rocked out to a bunch of shit I hadn't heard forever, man. And I was like, totally digging it. And then I love watching you slime down your your little. Oh uh, God. <laughs> Oh, so I mean, you know, I had some 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 power ballads going on watching that. <laughs> oh jeez. Oh, questioning questioning your life decisions, watching right. Roy oil up the eye of an axe like a psychopath. <laughs> I don't <laughs> fuck. You did it. You did it. All right, so now you're in West Virginia. You set you set up a shop. I'm assuming. Yeah, man, it actually worked out really cool. So the guy that I was in one of the bands with, Inbred Jed, was the name of the band. And don't let that mislead you. <laughs> of course it was. Because we was played all the Seattle like time shit, right? But we remember. All right, you remember Beavis and Butthead? Yeah, yeah. of course. Right. So yeah. There was an episode where there's like a band playing, and the band's name was Inbred Jed, and there's a guy out the crowd going, <laughs> and me and my sister were sitting there watching this, and we're like, oh my god, because at that time, our band was named Genuine Pleather, you know, trying oh, to fit in with the whole Jesus, freaking Jesus, come on. So we were like, you know what, fuck it, 
let's let's go with inbred Jed. And our followers ended up calling themselves breadheads. And oh dude, my was, god, it was amazing. <laughs> you know, we were just cover band. It was a party band, but. The bars that hired us, they were like, dude, you guys bring a drinking crowd like nobody we've ever seen before. I think so, I would probably enjoy that show. So what did, what did you play? I play drums. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen you. You've done uh, drum uh, stories and stuff on your on your feed, right? Yeah. Once in a while. Yeah, we did a 20-year show like last – well, wait, when was that? 2014 now. Wow. Time flies. But anyway, to answer your question, so the guitar <laughs> player <laughs> – I get fucking sidetracked. Like, You're no, fine. Dude, we all do. Like, we're, 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 yeah, seriously. Um, have, so have another the drink. player in my band has a candle company now, and we call him Candlestick Dave, right? <laughs> but he has built a fucking candle empire, and he bought it, this little spot of land, and it had an old house on it with a barn. Is it, I, sen- uh, is it Cincy? <laughs> <laughs> There's some great sets. Oh my God! Uh, Wait, dude, dude started in his basement making candles, and now he's got like a hundred and freaking thousand square foot facility that he stores this shit in, ships all over the freaking country, all over the world. Like, wow, wow! I mean, from fucking candles in his basement to that. Wow. <laughs> yeah, we call him Candlestick Dave. You know, rock star. Holy shit! Candles. Candlestick Dave. Shout out to Candlestick Dave. Great freaking. <laughs> so he oh my me God. The house that was there, he tore down, but he told me before we tore the house down, he said, anything you can use in that house, you can put in the shop. So me and my other friend, who's an electrician, tore all the electrical out of that house and put it in my shop. So I've got freaking, I I, I could probably get the guy from Back to Future, what was his name? Marty? I could probably get Back to freaking Future with the power that I have in his shop. Jeez. Yeah, it's awesome. That's bad. But it's, it's literally a little barn, man. It's it's pretty cool. It kind of fits my whole little thing. Damn, cat's crazy. And you're doing everything in there? Yeah, man. I've got like two sides. I got a hot side where I do the forging and uh-huh. welding and all that kind of shit over there. And then I've got like this little cozy warm side where I do all the handlework and grinding and, Hell and all yeah. that. Yeah, man. That's so badass. you're also using a Beaumont uh, KMG TX. Yeah, man. I love it. I started on a Grizzly, so that was like a huge upgrade for me. That's what I did with my Forge and Fire winnings. That was the first thing I bought. So whenever they say, hey, Tommy, you get a check for ten grand," like, all bullshit, they like, <laughs> give you a, like, is it a check for ten grand? Well, it, I mean, it was direct deposited, so it doesn't come until after your episode airs, right? So the episode aired. I'm down here. Um, at that time, I was like, in between couch surfing during the week, I'd come down here on the weekends and hang out with Nikki. And uh, I just happened to pull up my bank account one day to see what was in there. And I was like, holy fuck, there's like $1,000 in my account. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. So I was like freaking. So you just dump it. Well, so you live in West KMT Virginia. The first so. I made. Awesome. You just dumped it all back into the shop. Um, for the most part, I paid off some debt that I had because I'd racked up some credit card bills. Right. Um, you know, it, it's how we how we survive, right? We yeah. survive on yeah. credit card days. Yeah. It's Absolutely. I wanted to kind of get back to a breathing level on that, so I, I paid off credit card debt and bought that machine, and uh, they've been great, man. I mean, I, I, customer service, if there's anything I need, dude, it's there the next day, so they're great people. So I've I've called and talked to Beaumont several times on the phone, and when I say, "Hey, this is 
um, Roy from Vintage Axe Works, the lady that answers the phone every time. Oh my God, I love your videos. They're so <laughs> funny. Thanks for giving us a little shout out. So awesome. like, it's awesome that they're this freaking company <laughs> that they actually know what the fuck is going on with yeah. me and my shop they're in Kentucky. There's only like five people that work there. I mean, it's small. Maybe that's the reason why. (laughs) Some some woman named Susan answering the phone loves watching you put oil on Axe Eyes and staring at the camera like a sucker. That's me. And my my code name is uh, Tommy with an IE instead of a a Y. Oh, my God. (laughs) Dude, Uh, I'm going to say something raunchy, and I don't give a shit. So whenever... Whenever Phil, excuse me, Phil sent me that hammer. Yeah. He goes, listen, one condition, you got to rub the eye like a little. <laughs> Did know. he say that? Oh, man. He said, he said, you got to give me the clit action. Oh, <laughs> right? Jesus. Dude, I mean, come on. What else do you think about I, I when you see those two not. contrasting colors or three cro- <laughs> colors, right? Oh, God. I was like, um, I don't think I'm you gonna- do it. You're the one that does it. You look Whatever. like a psychopath in the camera. Moving on. Moving on. Tommy, what are we what are we hammering out our knives with? We're doing everything by hand. We got a press. We got a power hammer. What do we got? I have no cool shit, man. I have um, I have hammers. That's that's cool. all I got. Hell yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, and uh, that that's gonna be my shout out at the end. I'll save that for the last last right part. But I use I use hammers from one guy. Okay. Um, exclusively. You using uh, are you making all mono steel blades? I'm assuming no Damascus. Uh, I have made some Damascus. I've, I actually have made some pretty cool stuff as far as like metals that I've used. I, I made one blade that was, this guy swore it was from a cannonball. So I incorporated. Oh, Jesus. One yeah. of those, huh? Yep, one of right? those. So I incorporated <laughs> that into some Damascus. Um, I used a elevator shafting, like from, from an elevator like pulley system. Oh, Roy loves the shafting. Yeah. Oh, my that God. Shut your face. <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh, Tommy froze up. Tommy froze. He's a robot, man. Oh, shit. <laughs> you got a screenshot. I got a screenshot this. This you is know, the greatest. There we go. Oh. I got to hammer it all. So Hang on. It's hard Hang work. on, Tommy. <laughs> yeah, man. You froze up. You froze up as soon as you said elevator shaft and Roy's eyes lit up because he loves mm. shafts. So you got to start that part. You got to start that part over again because you, you froze fucking, up. You oh, fucking man. asshole. How do I reboot that? Yeah. yeah. So, so you've used so elevator this, shaft. This guy, Mike, right? He, yep. he owns this building up in Cleveland, and he and he tore out the whole old school elevator system. It's like a big pulley, and it had a big shaft on it. This guy used to be in the NBA. He has bare paw hands, right? Yeah. He's probably like six, eight. I mean, the guy is freaking ginormous. So – I used some of that elevator shaft to make Damascus for a big buoy for him. And uh, awesome. other than Very that, cool. you know, I, I do a little bit, but I use a lot of Alabama Damascus when I have to do Damascus. So, um, so something I, I find interesting yeah, about you, um, you, whenever you post pictures or whatever on Instagram, it <clears throat> very rarely, I, you don't, it's not, you're not working on one thing at a time. Whenever right. you post stuff, you're like, here's a dozen knives that I'm working on. Here's a dozen handles that I'm working on. So uh, the way that you work seems different than the way other people work. I don't, I don't know if that's just like you're out there and I'm going to, I'm going to crank out a dozen knives or how it goes or if there are orders or what, but it's definitely different than the other stuff that I'm kind of seeing. 
It's a mix of orders and stuff that I'm, well, normally we're doing shows, right? So normally I'd be freaking cranking for Blade Show, but that's not happening right now. Yeah. Um, so normally what I'm doing is just, I make a little bit for me, I make a little bit for orders, and that way I've got stock for shows and stuff like that, right? So um, sure. when I go out there and start forging, you know, I, I use a little bit of modern technology. So I plasma cut a, a, pretty much all of my shapes to the basic shape that I want. If it's a big, thick blade, then I put the hammer to it, thin stuff down. Um, but what draws a lot of people to my work is leaving that that forge scale in there. So, you know, I do some faux forge on a lot of stuff. Um, some people call that brute to forge, where you're just, you know, putting some texturing in with a hammer. Right. Sure. You know, so I do a lot of that. But it's one of those weird things. Like, where do you start and where do you define forging a blade? Some guys are like, if you didn't forge it to finish, it ain't a freaking forge knife. Well, the definition is, if you put heat to it and move metal, then you forged it, right? Right. I mean, that, so where do you draw that line? Just call yourself a knife maker. Doesn't matter how That's you. That's what I'm make. saying. You know what? <laughs> yeah. I have some guys that are just completely stock removal, and I freaking love their work. Um, yeah. Such as. Tanner Ellick. Tanner Ellick. Okay, he's he's a local kid. He's right across the river from me. Um, he's like 20 years old, about to turn 21. He, he, I don't know if you guys ever heard of LT Wright. No. Roy, you might have, cause he's like, he buys a freaking, like a city block at Blade Show and takes like $300,000 worth of freaking bushcraft knives down there and leaves with nothing. And he's that's right a, over in Wintersville, Ohio, right? That's Tanner about what used I used to work for him. That's where he learned how to make knives. And Tanner does some, some freaking amazing stuff with bushcraft knives. I'm not into that world. You know, I'm more of the, like the hunters and yeah. the chefs. So that's what you see for me. I took about $300,000 worth of stuff down there, too. <laughs> You're, so full of shit. <laughs> You're so full of shit. You better have, you must have had about 600,000 axes in. Yeah, drugs and blood don't count. I came home empty handed. I you killed count, it. Just count the truck and trailer, too, as part of that. Jeez. Three hundred thousand dollars. That's fucking crazy. I right. think yeah. Well, whatever he doesn't sell, um, he's hooked up with so many of the distributors that they take whatever he doesn't sell. I mean, look him up, LT Wright. So here's where LT came from. His somewhere along the line in his family, I don't know if he married into, but have you ever heard of the movie Jeremiah Johnson? Of course. Yeah. So Chris, Chris is shaking his head like a no, R. W. Wilson made all the blades and tomahawks for that movie, and he lives in really? West Virginia, right down the road from me. Right, guys okay. like 80 years old, still making shit. But LT learned how to make from him. Now LT has a shop. He's got like 12 guys on the payroll, and they they seriously put out like 300 knives a week out Holy of the shop. Holy shit! Yeah, but it's it's stock removal. They're not forging anything, you know. Right. They're, they get their shapes, plasma cut or laser. I think they actually water jet theirs. They they freaking do a pre-grind. They send them out to Peters. They come back. They final grind them. A lot of Scandies. You know, that bushcrafter world. They like that Scandy grind. God. And yeah. So, I mean, they're just cranking them out. Huh. It, yeah, it sounds like it. I think um, a lot of that uh, you didn't forge it shit comes from haters because, like, right. just shut the fuck up. Who cares how you made it? Well, Make that's where Forge and Fire has really, you know, I, even when I'm doing the shows, like a local show, somebody's going to come up and they're like, oh, did you forge this knife? 
Like, yeah. well, you tell me what forge means to you, and then then we'll have a conversation about that. You know, where did you get your knowledge? You know, just just say you made it. Yeah. One of my buddies is like fucking badass stock removal guy, Steve Pellegrino. Yeah. He, mm-hmm. he makes beautiful fucking knives, and he very rarely forges shit, and his stuff looks amazing. Yeah. So I think oh. people these people just need to get off their high horses. Yeah, man. Stop worrying about what everybody it's nice else is nice making. Doing. It's it's not how right. you get there, right? Exactly. I mean, is that what it's about? Do you have to know how we got to? Look, to I don't pigeon my I don't pigeonhole myself in any. I I tell people I'm not a blacksmith. I just choose to move metal with heat. Like that's oh really God. what I do. You're no, a fucking blacksmith. That's the medium I chose. Like. What are you gonna do? I make sculptures one day, and then I make fucking hammers one the next day. What are you gonna call me a hammer maker and a sculptor? No, you're guy? a fucking like, blacksmith. No, like, you're a no. fucking blacksmith. No, because if I want to go do something else, what are you gonna what like what are you gonna do? do? Whatever, whatever the fuck I want, Roy. Maybe okay. I'm gonna start. Maybe I'm gonna start making axes one day. Seriously, you're a fucking blacksmith. Oh my god. There's a you know why you know why I say that is because there's a certain criteria that the old school heads uh you know put you in to to say if you're a knife man shit fucking i'm preaching to the choir here tommy knows this abs bullshit that's right i'm saying it (laughs) you know it's funny you say that because i had a conversation with tanner yesterday because i'm an apprentice with them right yeah and i have one more year before i can even test to become a journeyman right and he's like dude you won forged and fire doesn't that account for anything I'm like, no, man, I would have to, um, they don't recognize Forge and Fire as anything. So I yep. would have to take one of their classes, which is like eight weeks and thousand dollars. I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm doing this as a living. I can't take eight weeks out of my schedule. So I guess I got to wait the year. Sure. And yeah. I, I gave him this analogy to it. I wrote a book years ago. It was like an internet serial killer kind of a thing back before it was like a big thing. Oh, it's that, that's another Roy's, story. Roy's, Roy's life story. Roy's life story. What? <laughs> Roy's autobiography. Written so by like, like classes like, at the local community college for whoa, like English. Like Dexter kind right? of shit? Hang on. You can't just say that. <laughs> oh, come on, man. No, like, what that's another it? story. You're going to have to have me back. You want to talk oh, about that? God. You gotta talk right, about so more, just, the guy. The more title funny said, what fucking Chris is saying. I gotta know the title of it. I gotta know the title. It's of called it. the Death Net. You can find it on Amazon. The Death Net is it like on the dark web only? Like is <laughs> no, it man, Sky, it's on Amazon. Like, like Skynet off Amazon. Seriously, Look it up. is it like Skynet kind of shit? T one thousand. It's anyway. a really read, man. It's it's it's. I don't know. My grandmother read it and she said a little bit too much oral for me, but. I like what? It. Okay. Oh my god! <laughs> All right. <laughs> Holy shit! That's the opener, right? Fucking there. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Anyway, anyway. My buddy said, "Dude, you're writing a book. Why do you have to take classes in to learn English?" Right. And I was like, I don't know. Like, I, to feel like I'm like sophisticated, like I've got accomplished. something behind me. Right. Said, Dude, you're already doing it. Don't worry about getting a degree. So now I'm like, do I really need to get certified with the ABS to say that I know how to make a knife when I've made hundreds? Yeah. I don't well, know. I mean, so for, for me as the lay person, not knowing anything about knives or whatever, whenever I see or hear ABS master blacksmith, it just holds more credibility. Like, oh, right. this guy, like, 
he took the time to freaking go out and get certified and 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 do all those things to be able to say that he's an ABS master smith. Right. I, that's where I'm torn because I don't have a freaking degree in anything. Um, so here's what I know from what I know. God, here we go. Let me hear. All that that puts you into a pool of buyers is what I understand from that. Okay. So once you get your ABS Mastersmith, then you fall into a different category as far as buyers go. Because the buyer, you know, collectors, guys that spend giant amounts of money on this shit, they want a blade from an ABS Mastersmith, and that's kind of, I mean. And I mean, there's a huge price jump. I mean, just look at James Nielsen. I mean, dude, his knives go for big money. I I saw one at a show that I was doing up in Cleveland. This dude had one of James's knives. Oh, shit. Wait, you're talking about. $3,500. You're talking about Jay. Jay. Jay Nielsen, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How much? $3,500. Yeah. All right. And it, it turned out to be a knife that he raffled off, and it was one of the knives that he built on the set to show that he could build this knife out of this material. Because they have to build everything on the show that you have to build. Oh, really? And this guy freaking won the knife. And I, I actually sent a picture of it to James, and I was like, hey, you recognize this? He's like, oh, yeah, I remember that knife. And I was like, he's like, a guy won it. I was like, really? Because he's asking 3500 for it right now at this show I'm at. He's like, wow, I hope he gets it. Jeez, Louise. Right? So interesting. I I would recommend getting the ABS thing just like because you're going after the end of the rainbow buyer there. I mean, yeah. Chris is freaking shaking his head and giving me the wood of him. But you guys know Pete Kohler from Dark Timber? No. All right. Look at these nice guys. We don't know anything. He's one of these guys that came out of nowhere, too, just like he came out of nowhere. Yeah. He's got like a, a, a ridiculous, I don't know if it's like one or two year backlog, and his blades are freaking going for big money. Yeah. Cool. Good and I mean, he does cool shit. He's a yeah. fantastic maker. Yeah. I think he's I'm in the wrong Amber business. Amber from freaking Naked and Afraid. Say that again? He's dating Amber from Naked and Afraid. You guys follow Naked and Afraid at all? No. Um, yeah. There's one chick on there. I've got to. <laughs> no. that's what you're thinking about when you're rubbing that oil on that oh my god (laughs) stop the fucking oil (laughs) all right so talking about makers because you keep bringing that up stop for a second stop stop Uh stop Uh i'm gonna i'm gonna say something here (laughs) it rubs the oil on the axe (laughs) so listen all of these women that fucking pose with a knife or an axe and they're like pushing their boobs out, pushing their butts out, it drives me absolutely fucking crazy. Well, it's I can't say that because I, I actually can't thought about getting a boob job to promote it. my stuff. Dude. Oh, because, I mean, I've got 6,600 followers, but I feel like those are solid people that follow my shit, right? But I don't think I'm ever going to get over 10,000 unless I've got some boobies to, to like promote my Dude. work. It's ridiculous. So, like, all it would take would would be for any one of us to say, hey, wife, take a picture of this in your bathing suit and just pop your ass a little bit and let's see what happens. Tommy, and, what it all boils down to, buddy, is you got to just start oiling them handles a little better, shooting some more video. <laughs> that, that's an epiphany right there. You got to show them oiling them handles up. Fucking stop. I know what you're but saying. I'm seri- yeah. But seriously, it is a real freaking thing. There are people that have been on an, on a TV show 
And it doesn't matter how you know, well or how shitty they did on the show. If it's a nice-looking, attractive woman, all they got to do is wear some skimpy clothes, pop the fucking ass, 100,000 followers on Instagram, YouTube channel. Hey, and then they get shit fucking sent to them all the goddamn time. Hey, show show a picture of you holding my my knife or whatever. And they don't they have right. they have zero freaking credibility in my mind because they will push any fucking product that they that gets sent to them. They don't give a shit about any of it anymore. And what really- my big question is, how many followers do how many people do they follow? Is it like 200? Uh, it, yeah. <laughs> it better be fucking 200. Oh, shit. Me and this guy are going to end up being good friends. <laughs> and you know what else it does? I told you, you I've been up. listening, man. I got, I got fucking, a whole thank you. Get a shit yeah. that I've been wanting to throw Thanks, out. Man. Appreciate it. You know what else it does, Roy, besides you saying all that bullshit that happens? Is it hurts what? the other actual women in the craft that are doing badass shit, too. Yeah, that, of course that it can't, does. They can't get a following because they don't want to stick their ass out or something. You know, it's like... But or they're, they're doing, just a normal-looking woman that, or you know... Yeah, and they're doing yeah, they're, shit way better than the, the other one. You know, it's just like, ah, oh, come on. Get the fuck out of here. And, and it gets to a point where these, these women that are doing this, they... They have stopped doing anything cool, and they're yeah. just promoting other people's shit and just yeah. popping their fucking ass all the time. <laughs> I mean, wearing, wearing shit so fucking tight that you can see their freaking tampon string coming through the fucking dress. I mean, come on. It's disgusting. Roy Scott, ladies and gentlemen, from Vintage Axe Works. So, I'm, uh, Tommy, I'm here all night, bitches! <laughs> you keep that's bringing cordage. up that's, the That's word. not a string, that's cordage. <laughs> I keep... God. I keep hearing you say maker, maker. You were you were in this maker scene for a while, weren't you? Me? Like before he, knife making. He's not talking to me anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man, I was. I got hooked up with the right people at the right time. Um, I went to Lincoln Electric. Like one of the first things I did when I lost my job, my dad was like, "Man, what what are you passionate about right now? What what can I help you do?" And my right. I said, "I want to learn how to weld." And my dad was like, all right, well, what's that going to take? And I was like, well, there's an intro class, and I'm really I'm really into, like, TIG welding. Right. And uh, he's like, well, what's it cost? And I was like, it's going to be, like, $1,500. He's like, all right, I'm going to loan you the money. Pay me back when you can. So I went to the Lincoln Electric Welding School, and I learned how to do, like, intro to welding, and then I focused on TIG welding. And that's where I met a guy named Craig Coffey, where I got my initial uh, – I was an influencer for Lincoln Electric while he was there. They have since yeah. parted ways. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I I was an influencer for them, and that's where I kind of got into the maker movement was, was through him. He kind of took a liking to me. And I remember the first meeting, he was like, well, what do you do? And I was like, well, you know, I'm, I'm into making knives and blacksmithing and everything. And he's like, well, I don't think Lincoln Electric is going to want to promote, promote making weapons. But right. Uh, we're all about this blacksmithing thing because it's kind of like cutting edge right now, and uh, so I think we should probably <laughs> the put five thousand year old craft is. <laughs> <laughs> I know, all right, yeah. right, Please. but it's had a resurgence, right? Yeah, so, yeah. And and the biggest thing about it, I mean, putting all this other bullshit aside, is it's getting kids that want to get their hands dirty again. Yeah. And thank and thank our goodness country for went it. through this thing where they got rid of shop classes. Because my shop teacher in junior high, I'm almost 50, so I was in, in shop class in like the, the mid-80s, right? Right. That dude crafted me into like doing shit with my hands. 
they got rid of all that and put computer labs in yeah. for 20 years, right? Until right. we flooded the market with computer people that now there's no jobs in that. Yep. And then we started bitching because none of the kids wanted to do anything but sit on their asses watching video games and, and doing computer shit. And now there's a bunch of kids that want to get dirty again and they want to pound steel and they want to freaking weld and they want to do shit with their hands. And I'm all for that. I mean, hell yeah. Yep. And, and what I see happening now is there's grants that are now starting to happen that are getting rid of computer labs and bringing shop class back. Thank God. Right? Hell yeah. Do you take so, shop, Chris? Did I? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that was where I first had my experience with welding. It was awesome. I was hooked, man. I like I like stick welded two pieces of flat bar together and I like lost my mind. I'm like, right? What? <laughs> Yeah, dude, I, I loved I loved shop class. I thought that was the best ever. But then, same thing, the closer I got to graduating, the shop class was gone by the time I graduated. Yeah, so, so, when so I got our, to high school, it was gone. Yeah. So ours we had actually, this thing called Votech, but for some so, reason, I, did, I didn't jump on board with that. Yeah. I, so that's where I was going. So we had woods and metal classes. So as a, I took it ninth, 10th grade and then i went to vocational school 11th and 12th grade as a cabinet maker and nice. so i would go to school for i took like three classes and then i'd get on a bus and go to the vocational school and spend the rest of the afternoon in a cabinet and mill shop and we made armoires we made you know uh whole entertainment centers we made dining room tables and then i actually competed it's called VICA, Vocational Industrial Schools of America. <clears throat> and my junior year, I uh, I competed and I got second in the state of Indiana for woodworking. Damn, dude. Um, and then awesome. I went then I went back like super fucking cocky and smug and like an <laughs> idiot like I am my senior year. And I don't think anybody thinks you're like that, buddy. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I'm sitting there. Doing, you know, like I, I'm fucking, I'm, I can see on the periphery where everyone else is on their project, and I'm like miles ahead of of everyone. I'm like, I'm gonna get fucking first place. I gotta get first. I gotta get first. And then what do I fucking do? I make one wrong cut. I fucking shut down the machine, and I walked out like a freaking little bitch. Uh. Because, and. Uh, cause I was like, there's no reason for me to get second or third or whatever place I've already gotten second. I, I yeah. came here to win. And you know, I, I was you know 17 years old and like, if I'm not a fucking winner, I'm a loser. So I just walked out and uh, ain't first or last. Exactly. That's actually probably one of my, like, so nothing's changed. Well, <laughs> come on. but in, in terms of like, what do you regret in high school? Like, yeah, walking out on that competition was probably probably up there on the list. I shouldn't have walked out. I should have just finished, and I don't know, because someone else could have fucked up more than me. I don't know, but, yeah, you know, I, I was there to win. Uh, but uh, uh. thank goodness these programs were around, because here here it is now, 20 years later, and what the fuck am I doing every goddamn day? I'm working with wood. I'm, I'm fucking I've, – I've got so many woodworking machines now. I just bought a fucking 12-inch planer. It's all coming freaking full circle as a 42-year-old now? God. Yeah, thanks. You love wood, dude. So you were on the young end of the 80s. like, So you were rocking out the Motley Crue and like almost 
like still wearing your your pull-up pants, right? So my, the, <laughs> so I was ten in '88, motherfucker. So, I graduated '88. Oh my god! Right, but. But all those bands, right? Motley Crue, Guns N' Roses, fucking Cinderella. Dude, like, seriously, that shit is good fucking cock rock and roll. And it's just, you listen to it today, and it's like, man, that's fucking good. I don't give a shit what anyone (laughs) fucking thinks about that. Time time out a second. I'm not not a huge fan. You just say cock rock and roll? Yes. (laughs) What is cock rock and roll? Those bands that I just fucking mentioned. Big hair bands. It's called Cock Rock. Alexa, play Cock Rock and Roll. (laughs) Tommy knows what what I'm talking about. It's called Cock Rock. Judging by Tommy's face, he's in the same fucking mode I am. No. No, man, I I get what he's saying, man. If you notice a trend, if you listen to that music at all, when, when they started coming out with power ballads and every freaking band back then had one because that's when the panties... Freaking drop yeah. and the tops come off. <laughs> Cock rock. Oh, yeah. Dude. <laughs> it's a fucking thing, bitch. Oh, Jesus, you do things. Tommy, I noticed scrolling through your Instagram, you met a couple of my buddies. You met Jimmy. Yeah. Brett. Brett. Yeah. You already talked about him. I'm sorry. Yeah, man. You know him. I met those guys so, together at the first. I'm, I'm not even sure I'm allowed to spring, say spring make anymore. Cause, like, yeah. Well, shit about that, speaking but. of Craig, isn't he doing his own thing now? Yeah, yeah, man, he's got a new thing. Um, they're, we're trying to get it off, but you know the the current state of affairs have kind of yeah. fucking everything up. So yeah, yeah, yeah. We're trying to start a thing called Maker Summer School. Yep. Now it might be like Maker Fall School. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. Who knows? But, right. Um, I think Jimmy's still on board with that. Brett too. Yeah, and, I had a lot of uh, a lot of other a lot yeah. of other makers are still on board with it. So hopefully we can get through all this bullshit and get back to pace with what you know getting shit made. Yeah. So what's a day look like for Crooked River Forge right now? You still doing orders? I see your stuff's you say your books are closed, which is No wait, man, I'm still open. Oh no, yeah, books are open. I'm sorry. Books are now open. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah it's so cool. hit um, them up. Crooked River Forge. Tommy, hit them up. Books are thank open. You, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> when uh when this whole thing started happening, like everybody went into panic mode and uh it it, it did dry up for a couple of weeks and now that Stuff's starting to level out a little bit, and people are like, all right, it's not the end of the world. Life might change as we know it, but um, I've really started getting busy again and awesome. talking with some guys on yeah. some big projects right now, so it, it's good. I'm, I'm staying busy. I go into work every day. Um, it's just juggling act right now with, with are kids. You, are you doing this full-time? Yeah, man. Oh, awesome. Fantastic. That's awesome. You seem like you have a really positive attitude about everything, so that's good. Knife yeah, making, man, the knife maker world's not? knife making world's hard, man. That's a saturated freaking market, man. I, I mean, but there are I, still that, people that are like, "Oh, dude, I love that you're doing it." There is it's a lost art, and yeah, it, it's just like you know what? There's Chevy guys, there's Ford guys, but yeah, you're right, you're right. You no, know, I mean, if you're not looking for a Ford, you might not find a Ford. But if yeah. you're if you're if you're deep into it, then you're you're finding people that are making knives, and you know. Like again, I can't I can't say bad things about Forge and Fire because it has put it a has lot its, of people on yes, the radar, and yes. I'm one of them. I mean, I was yeah. nothing before mm-hmm. before I got on Forge and Fire, and it catapulted me well, let's to, not get to another level. Here. So let's not get carried away here. <laughs> 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 Dude, 
you. I'm just, For real. No, You're I'm such just a kid. fucking asshole. I know, guys. So one of my very good friends, he lost. You don't have any friends. You're right. One of my acquaintances, he lost, and he got more business than he's ever had and continues. And he was in season two, I think. Well, see, that's where the, the old school guys say, if you weren't in season one or two, then you ain't shit. Right, you know? mm. and it's it's kind of like the old school club, right? Like, yeah. like those guys won't even talk to us guys that came later. Well, you know, whatever. <laughs> but let's say it again. Get get off your fucking high horse, assholes. Right, you know. Yeah. I mean, being at Blade last year, I don't know if you if you guys were. I know you were there, Roy. I don't know if you were there, Chris. But no, they no. they got all the guys that were at Blade show. Oh fuck! Here we go. Together, <laughs> dude. They took a picture. There was hundreds. I'm not yeah. you. About. I was talking about Roy. Here we go. Yeah, I, I know. I know. I know. But I might go this year. I might Listen, go this year. Listen, dude, Damn. I saw here. Now, don't fucking roll your eyes at me, motherfucker head. So <laughs> I saw a picture of you that has been circulating around me? at fucking Blade Show. Me? Did you, yes. Did you fucking go to Blade Show? Maybe <laughs> no. not last year, but. I've never before, been to Blade Show. No, there's no, no. a picture of you at fucking Blade Show. And before you got on this goddamn call, That's Tommy impossible. and I were talking about it. And I was like, I'm going to bust his fucking balls. About it. I'm going to call him out because I saw him. I saw no. that fucking picture of you at Blade where, Show. Where are you seeing a picture of me? At Blade? I've never been to Blade Show. I would You're like to lying go. out of I your fucking you. teeth. No, you got to understand this knife association just happened in October. I have no association with knives other than knowing Jeff. Uh, so listen, I... So I follow yeah. you, Ilya, and freaking Matt. So one of you three idiots posted something either on your feed or in your story that had you with Ilya at fucking Blade Show. No, not me, buddy. It was you. You're un- <laughs> like no one looks like you. Yeah. You're, Nobody's you're, got a fucking head that big, Chris. <laughs> And your freaking tribal freaking tattoo no, going up your goddamn arm. No, 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 arm. no, 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 no. We weren't at Blade. I know what picture you're talking about. Me and Matt did a convention, um, like, uh, when the hell was it? Shit, two or three here, months here ago. Here we go. No, was two this, or three he's months spinning, ago. He's spinning the fucking lie. No, here no, we no. go. <laughs> we did a convention two or three months ago where we were posing next to those big-ass swords and shit that they make. That's all it was. It wasn't at Blade Show. That was another convention that we did right before all this corona shit happened. You went to another nerd convention and didn't publish it? I can't believe it. Yeah, I mean, I just had to go check it out. I had to go check it out. What was this nerd convention? Exactly what you just said. (laughs) Hey, I I had a blast. It was fun. It was cool. All right, so Tommy, you're a knife guy. What do you think about swords? You know what? I get people that ask me, will you will you make this sword, that sword? And when I price it and they come back and they're like, well, I saw that on Amazon for like 50 bucks. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, look, I, I'm not your guy then. Thanks for wasting yep. my time. But I appreciate yep. it. Um, I don't in know, man. General. I think I have found my niche in the hunting and the in the cooking world. And that's yeah. what my Instagram is all about. Um, the stuff that I make, I use. Okay. Every day, I'm either using it in the kitchen or I'm using it in the field. And that's where I feel like I validate myself again because I'm a hunter. I'm a gatherer. And, you know, I I make shit. The reason why I started making chef's knives is because I couldn't afford good chef's knives. So I was like, you know what? Maybe I can make good chef's knives. And And I've got chefs that are using my shit that are like, dude, these are some of the best that I've ever used. That's awesome. And you Mark post Canzanetta, a lot of stuff. He's a, he's a chef. He won Guy's Grocery Games, right? He's in Youngstown, Ohio. 
he came to my freaking uh, booth at a at a small little flea market kind of thing, and he said, "Dude, you're underpriced." And I was mm-hmm. like, "What do you mean?" He's like, "I have I have felt knives from all over the all over the world." He's like, "I've got some of the best, you know." Um, not gonna drop any names, but right, right, right. Your your shit is up there with those, and he cool. probably owned. He he told me like about six months ago he's replacing all of his stuff that he bought young with my shit. Wow. That's, that's, yeah, that's pretty impressive. And he's a, he's a working chef. I mean, he's got a, a very successful restaurant downtown Youngstown. Um, and and you, you post a lot of pictures and stories of you in your backyard, like grilling out and cutting meat and doing all that sort of shit when, and it's nice that you're actually using the stuff that you make. Um, a lot of people, it's just, you know, me included, it's just, you know, the, the money shot here it is. It looks all nice and pretty, but you're using right. the stuff and and I try to do a mix of all that. Like I, I do the money shots, right? I do the, the like pretty shit, like here's the knife. Yep. And I also do like here's the knife, like maybe in action. And then here's what I do in my free time. Like I'm out freaking in the woods almost every weekend. Um, I'll be out there turkey hunting this weekend and I'll probably be using one of my knives to freaking dice up a turkey, hopefully. You know? Awesome. So that's yeah, awesome. Man. Yeah. Very cool. Seriously. Hell yeah. What you got going on, Roy? Uh, fucking making axes, man. Um, so <laughs> Let, let's talk about this hammer for a second. Fuck your axes. Let's talk about something. God else. damn, he never <laughs> talked. It's like we just gloss over what fucking what is, vintage uh, axe works. Stop for a fucking Six pounds. Thir- All right, motherfucker. Crazy. Yes, thirty-six. So it was a deal that yeah. uh, that Phil and I um, came to agreement on. He he gave me a uh, an axe head. I was gonna make a handle for it. And I've been putting it off just because orders, um, kind of like you, Tommy, um, early in the month, maybe a little bit slower, but now it's like the fucking floodgates are goddamn open. Yeah, man. And I sent him a message the other day. I was like, man, I'm really sorry. I haven't gotten to this hammer. And he's like, no worries, no worries. And then yesterday or whatever, he just sends me a little text. He said, stop hammer time it was like a little fucking little yeah, yeah, yeah. and i was like okay all right i i get the fuck i get it i get it so i came right. out here and i was like oh I, I need to make a freaking handle for this goddamn thing and normally it takes me about 15 to 20 minutes to hang an axe a full-size head on a handle this one took me almost an hour because it's Holy it shit. was it the head the hammer head is 36 freaking pounds it feels like it was hand forged because the inside of the eye, it was all freaking catawampus. It was just all fucked up. It, nothing. There was not a straight surface on this thing, and I didn't want to take off too much. And then, like, you see me freaking pounding on on the butt of the handle all the time whenever I'm hanging the head. Well, I, I, <laughs> you weren't I, doing that with that one. <laughs> no, there's like yeah. no way I could fucking do yeah. it. So just you know, negotiating just the sheer weight of it. It, it freaking wore me the fuck out. I went to bed at 9 o'clock last night because I was Dude. so goddamn tired of wrestling with that freaking hammer. That wow. fucking Phil, I tell you what, he gets some good shit. Phil's ambles and antiques. I have a 25-pounder, and that's pretty rare. To see a 36-pounder, I was like, holy shit. I, I've I mean, that's like a power that. hammer for, for freaking... That's huge. But I think I that, that particular one is a stone hammer, isn't it? Because I don't, like a, I, you're asking yeah. the wrong goddamn person. I don't well, know. Well, it's probably the most valuable thing in your shop. No. <laughs> Dude, so he said, 
he he when I so I was doing all the stories and posts of it yesterday, and he sends me a, a text saying, "Oh man, super high five! Thank you. It's yeah. already sold." Um, yeah. He's like. The guy was on the fence, and then I told him it was a vintage Axe Works handle, and it that freaking put him over the edge, so it's already sold. Nice. Um, so um, yeah, I'm I'm ha- happy to help out there. For sure. And you've been doing some killer Black Ravens that I actually liked. Yeah, I did a Black Raven. I started it yesterday, finished it today. I did it on a 20 inch, 28 inch French curve handle. So what's interesting, I, I love, I love, love, love doing these super valuable pieces on shit bag handles. And whenever I say shitbag handles, I mean the grain's all fucked up. It could have pinholes. It could have knots in it. It could have crazy runout grain. No one's going to use this freaking axe. I mean, it's a. I, I'm. I posted it up for twelve hundred dollars. If you're going to use a twelve hundred dollar axe, you're a freaking fool. So it gives me the. It gives me the flexibility to be able to choose pieces of wood that have a lot of character, and it just makes it that much prettier. So. Um, Hopefully someone snatches that up. It's it's um it would be I hate selling pieces like that because it, they mean so much to me. Um, so it's can a, I ask you a question real quick? <clears throat> the double bit black raven that you had, mm-hmm. that one was how much was that one? <clears throat> Thousand bucks. So why I would think in my head, not knowing anything, that the double bit would be more valuable than the single. So um so that one wasn't just a double bit. It was a it was a two two cruiser which is a smaller size but the difference is the year okay so uh, american, for- american fork and hoe bought out kelly axe for at kelly axe and tool company in 1930 so all of those cruisers were from 1930 to 1950 and the jersey that i just posted today is pre-1930 and it's a weird size. It's like a boy's axe size, like a three-pound head. So it's small, it's old, and it's one of the most iconic, most desirable patterns, the jersey, out there. Huh. Uh, uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> Does that mean my time's up? Oh, fuck! No, sir. <laughs> That was the sleep alarm. Everybody started to fall asleep during that. Fuck episode. off! It's the axe and iron. We've talked about fucking iron. We don't talk. We don't talk. Oh shit! So you add so. all those things up, and it's more valuable in my mind than the cruiser. It definitely was cool. I loved it. it had some yeah. pitting. It had some character. I loved it. I was like, and damn. I don't get excited about them, but I think it was the old nostalgia look of it that was like kind of drawing me to it i don't know it was cool looking and and what's really sad is yeah we say it's a pre-1930 black raven yeah it it, it could have been um 1904 to 1930 we just don't know when it was actually manufactured so it's pre-1930 um kelly moved to alexandria west virginia um Uh not excuse me alexandria indiana uh, uh, then to Charleston, West Virginia, uh, in okay. ni- ni- 1904. Um, so, like, whenever someone says, "Hey, what, what is this axe? What you? What year is it?" It's always a range of years because you just don't know. Gotcha. Um, hey, and I will actually stamp them with a date. No, I mean Winchester did. Um, I got a I got a Winchester jersey that was stamped. I think 1923 or something like that. But by and large, oh, uh, Sager Chemical they they stamped the years on those. But by and large, most people 
didn't put the date on there because, you know, back in the day, they were just cranking out literally millions and millions of axes every year. And they were just trying, they were just chasing the freaking dollar. They didn't see the significance of the piece right in front of their face. You know, here we are a hundred years later and now all that stuff is super valuable and super important. They were just fucking making stuff and shipping it out the goddamn door, you know, as fast as they could. They didn't, they didn't have the foresight to think about, well, what's this going to look like in 2020? They didn't think about that. Right. Right. So there we go. So there's your fucking axe lesson for the God. (laughs) The first time we've actually talked about axes, what, 10 episodes in? It's not about us, fucking welcome. It's not about us. Wait, I'm number 10? Number 10? Yeah. Yeah. With a bullet. And it's probably the last one. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm only kidding. All right. This is the part of the show where we like to give a shout out, give some love to some people. And we are going to go with Roy because he's telling me not to go with him, but I'm going to go with Roy anyway. So I, I seriously, we've talked about him early on. Let's um, do it. Phil, seriously, yeah. Phil, Phil Antiques Anvils. Super nice guy. You introduced me to him about a year yep. ago. Yep. Super cool guy. He and his brother go out picking all the goddamn time. He loves axes. He loves blacksmith stuff. He loves everything cool, old, antique stuff. And on top of that, he's just a nice freaking dude. He called me up yesterday on the phone, and we're just chit-chatting about this freaking hammer and business. And He's just a great guy. Yeah, he's a nice guy. I love talking to him on the phone. He texts me pictures about uh, his fishing all the time because we send fishing pictures back and forth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. So he sent he texted me a picture of him catching some uh, I was like a trout. brown trout or something. Yeah. And I was like, dude, yep. you need to take me fly fishing up there in the in the Adirondacks or whatever. Yeah. He's like, yeah, come along. I want to no go problem. up there because he lives in a beautiful part of the state. So I'd yeah, love, just, my uncle lives up there, man. I I go I, there's a Black River up there. I'd go pike fishing and smallmouth fishing up there. It's amazing, man. Hell yeah. So very like cool. To, you like to fish also, Tommy? Oh yeah, man. Dude, he lives, course, he, lives in West, he lives in West Virginia. So, um, <laughs> West Virginia, they've got the, I think it's the Cranberry River. It's a wilderness area. Do you ever go fish that? Cranberry? Um, never heard of that. Oh. You're it's talking like thing. Canadian Valley? I don't know. I, I think. Every time, like, if you just Google fly fish West Virginia, one of the things that pops up most frequently is the Cranberry River. It's a wilderness area stocked with trout, whatever. I think that was the name of the fucking vodka that Roy had before his Cranberry (laughs) River vodka. No, but there is a cool river downstate called Lost River, West Virginia, right? And they literally, the river goes and it ends. And then 100 yards away, it picks up again. And they goes underground? They put dye in it to see if it doesn't Mm -hmm. come out the other side. So it must be a huge underground Underground, body of water. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. Please. The, the next time you want to dispose of a body in your freaking murder mystery thriller, just <laughs> right. right on. Right? <laughs> Who do you got, Tommy? All right. So I mentioned my hammer guy, um, Paul Beasler. Um, Beasler uh, Blacksmith, right? Hang on. I don't know hang if you on. guys know this guy hang at on. all. Hang on. <laughs> I'm just going to say it on this podcast. It's not because of you. Paul's last name is Beisler. Beisler? Yeah, everybody. Sure. No, 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 it's name. fine. It's fine. Everybody calls him Beisler. Everybody. <laughs> but his last name is actually Beisler. Just like so, Ben Snur and so yeah, Snur. Yeah, exactly. Right on. Yeah, Paul Beisler. 
All right. So I bought my very first hammer from him, right? A $200 hammer when I don't even know what the fuck I'm doing. But I asked him, like, what is the very first hammer that you recommend? He said, three and a half pound rounding hammer. So that's what I went with. And I still use that hammer pretty much every time I'm in the forge. And since then, this dude has, like, he gives every forge and fire champion a two and a half pound rounding hammer. Yep. Wow. He will seek you out and he will make you a hammer. Aside from that, I have a five and a half pound rounding hammer from him. That is my, that is my power hammer. That is what I move steel with. So when I'm setting welds on, on Damascus, that is what I'm using to set that. Cause it's like Thor's freaking hammer, right? Like you, you swing that thing and I've got little chicken arms. Like I'm not like, (laughs) I'm not what you think of when you think of a big ass blacksmith, right? Yeah. Dude, um, you're you're in very good shape for being 50 years old. Seriously, I look at myself. Yeah, like, I got. Jeez, like, Roy. Seven, seven, seventy. Take him out at the knees, Roy. He's not 50 <laughs> yet. Jeez. He said he's almost 50 <laughs> earlier on. Right on. Like, no, he's in good shape. Okay. I look at myself and I'm like, God, I'm getting a fucking beer gut at 42. Fuck. Well, let's pa- quit drinking beer and start drinking bourbon, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Paul Meisler. Paul Beisler's, uh, what's his Instagram? Beisler Blacksmith, I believe, isn't it? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. There might be some underscores or some stuff like nope, that. Nope, nope, just Beisler Blacksmith. Paul's a, Paul's a great guy. Paul and yeah, man, like, he, he uh, is. He's a super hardworking dude. And, um, he told me when I bought my first real anvil, I bought a rigid. Yeah. And he said, listen, if you don't like it, I will buy it from you. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was like, cool. Can't, you still, can't do, you, do you still own that anvil? Yes, I do. Oh, that those anvils are so bad. Here's a funny little story, right? So when I first got into this, I put a, a post out there. I was like, hey, anybody that might happen to have an a anvil laying around in the barn, yeah. they can hit me up, let me know, right? I got laughed out of, like, beginning blacksmiths, all this stuff, right, on Facebook. Yeah. And I bought the, the rigid anvil, and, like, a year later, a friend of mine back here in West Virginia, um, her and I went to high school. Her dad hits me up, and he's like, hey – I got this old anvil out in the barn. You can, you're welcome to it if you want it. So I was like, all right. I come down, check it out. It's a freaking Peter Wright from like the 1800s. It's nice. in freaking shape. And I have it in my shop. It's got a great horn. It, it sounds amazing. And it was absolutely free. Wow. Awesome. Hell yeah. They are out there still. Yep. Can't beat that. Hey, so – before you get into who you want to freaking shout out, what's going on with you, Mount Phillip Metalworks? Oh, don't worry about it. We'll talk about it next show. No, oh, come on. No, you've been making some hammers and moving. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Speaking of hammers, yeah. I'm just doing hammers. I'm learning hammers. I'm learning how to make hammers, but different hammers. Wrought iron bodies, tool steel faces. That's cool. I'm having, I'm having fun doing that. It's a pain how, in the ass. It is a absolute that? pain in the ass, yeah. How's the hangs going? like a Damascus hammer? I mean. What's that? How's that work? Is that a Damascus hammer? No, it's just a wrought iron body, and then you jump weld tool steel faces on it. Okay. It's, it's a pain in the ass. It takes, <laughs> I, I've messed up more than I've uh, – I'm getting better, though. I'll be, like, on my sixth one, uh, seventh one today that well, I just finished, and they're and getting better got, and better. And they've got a cool shape Look, to yeah. Yeah, I'm so I don't, do I, don't e- I don't even know what it's called, but you know, I, I don't know like, what it's called like, either. I'm just doing it because nobody's yeah. doing it. I'm just trying to put up something that's different and yeah, uh, man. that's putting... what I'd love to see. Cool. How, right how, are the hang- anyway. how, how are the hangs going? Good. I'm getting better and better. 
Yesterday right. was yesterday was great. The one I posted up this morning, I just finished last night, and uh-huh. that one was like perfect. But a lot of what I'm figuring out too to make the hang a little better on me is I'm spending a little more time forging the eye and like making sure that dimensions on both sides are perfect and it doesn't mm-hmm. like some guys like the hourglass shape in their eye when they're making hammers. I'm not a fan. It's a fucking pain in the ass to hang. But, do you know why they do that? I do know why they do that, but it's still a pain in the ass to hang. Please, please do tell. I want to. I want to. Oh, see you're, if you you're got asking this. for like an educational. Yeah. Just so on. it doesn't. So when you wedge the top of it, it's fucking like permanently fuck in there, pretty much. Thank you. But it, it's a pain in the ass to forge too. I'll tell you that. So we call that splayed out. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there you go. You're welcome. On that, it sounds like a meal. Oh my <laughs> god! All right. Speaking of hammers, I got Michael. Jesus. Hayes. Michael Hoops is a hammer maker from uh, Ohio. Michael.hoops underscore BS. Me and Mike have been friends for a couple years now. We meet up at uh, Sofa every year and hang out. And he came up to, he's actually good friends with Paul and Beisler. And he came up to Abana two years ago, three or four, Jesus, yeah, a while ago. And we met at Abana in Virginia. Uh, yeah, Michael Hoops, Michael.hoops underscore BS. He's a hammer Ooh. maker from Ohio. Check him awesome. out. Tommy. Man. Yeah, man. Seriously. Um, whenever you and I met at Blade Show last year, had a great freaking time. You and your wife, Nikki, you were, I don't know how inebriated I was, but you all <laughs> listened to me rattle on. We hung out. We had a great time. I went to your yeah, table. Man. You make you make some beautiful, amazing creative pieces that the world needs to see thank you for what you're doing and thank you for coming on and hanging out dude thanks for having me guys i I truly appreciate it and likewise man i I truly um enjoyed meeting you and hanging out and just freaking shooting the shit like well there's a freaking great guy man there's a first. Um, to all I the... look forward to meeting you and hanging out at some point. Oh, yeah, we yeah. We, up, we, me and you run in the same circles. I can already tell. Uh, we're, it's, it won't be long before we see each other. I have to look up all where right. Chester is. I'm not really too familiar with where Chester is. but you, you know, Dude, you can drive from Ohio through West Virginia and into Pennsylvania in like five minutes. Oh, okay, okay. You're quite a ways away from me then. Yeah. I'm, I'm I'm right by Harper's Ferry, so yeah, yeah, I yeah. know what that's that, man. Yeah. yeah, but uh, yeah, to everybody out there listening to the podcast too, we really appreciate you guys listening to the podcast. We got a ton of requests. I put it out there on my Instagram about who we should have on, just as suggestions. Me and Roy kind of just wing How it every week. Did I end up in that mix? <laughs> <laughs> because so, of me. Because of me. You guys were scrounging until you guys got famous all of a sudden. No, you're like, fuck, no, no. we already asked this guy to be no, on the show. No, 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 not at all. Not at all. You're that's in a, the that's top whole thing. ten. That's top a whole thing. fucking ten. You're number go. ten, G.I. You're number yeah. ten. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, thank, thank you to all of you guys putting out suggestions for us to uh, who, who you guys want to hear on the podcast. We really appreciate it. We really appreciate you guys listening. And, uh, yeah, Tommy Matthews from Crooked River Forge. Check him out on Instagram, crooked underscore river underscore forge. And that's Thanks, a wrap brother. on the accent. Oh! <laughs>